Hello, I'm Emily Bellet, founder of Vespod and author of You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Ridge. And you're listening to The Wallet. Every week, we give you the best tips, guidance, and a good dose of inspiration and motivation to manage your money better. Every day is Halloween, isn't it? For some of us, said filmmaker Tim Burton. As we're preparing for trick-or-treating next week, we thought we'd give you our scary investing stories, creepy financial dragon, scams, and a good dose of fear of losing money in the stock market. We are usually scared of what we don't know or don't understand. So let's address the main issues that tend to scare new investors. Remember, if you're investing, invest what you can afford only and for the long term. Let's dive in. Say hello to Chase, the digital bank that makes everyday rewarding. We know little extra cash is always welcome. That's why banking with Chase is packed full of rewards. Like 1% cash back on your everyday debit card spending for a whole year at home and when you're abroad. Download the Chase banking app to open your free account today. You must be over 18 and a UK resident to apply. Cashback exceptions apply. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. I want to invest, but I'm too scared. I'm scared to lose money. I don't understand the financial lingo. And what if I get scammed? We are usually scared of what we don't know or don't understand. So let's address the main issues that tend to scare new investors. The first one, intimidating language. It is easy to lose interest when you don't understand what you're dealing with. This is human nature. We look at a few scary investment words and make it crystal clear for you. Management fee or trading costs? What is that? When you trade a single stock, when you buy or sell a stock, you will be charged a small fee. The investment platform may also charge you an annual fee to keep your investment. You could see that as the cost of hiring a safe in a bank to store your cash or some gold bars. While when you trade an ETF, exchange traded fund, or an index, you will be charged an annual management fee in addition of a trading fee. The management fee accounts for the rebalancing of the index, changing the mix of the index. Each time a company falls or enters the index, an index, remember, is a collection of different companies, and what they do, they are replicating the market performance. So each time a company falls out or enters the index, the manager will need to rebalance and will charge you for it. Look out for fees before you buy any investments. Another scary term is maybe compound interest. We mentioned this one several times, and we will borrow an example from nature to understand it best. When a tree releases seeds, which will sprout and grow into other trees. These trees will in turn release seeds, which will themselves become trees. With time, a tree will turn into a forest. Getting back to finance, the higher the interest you earn on an investment, i.e. the more seeds, or the appreciation of your capital, the more money you will have in the future. What is important to note here is that just like it takes centuries to grow a forest, it takes time for compound interest to work out its full potential. Another scary term, asset. An asset is anything that you own and has value or is expected to have value in the future. 
cash can be an asset, your investments can be an asset, your house can be an asset. Another term is P-E ratio, price to earning ratio. This is one of the most basic valuation metrics for stocks. When investors look at the entire universe of stocks, they need to find a way to compare them. For instance, how do you compare the 100 stocks in the index FTSE 100? Analysts came up with this ratio. When you compare one unit price versus one unit of earning, it allows them to understand if a company is more or less expensive than before and if a company looks cheap or expensive versus its peers, company in the same sector. If the P ratio is unchanged, it means the price of the company grows at the same pace than its earnings. If the P ratio increases, it means either the stock price appreciated relative to earnings or earnings decreased relative to its price. In this case, we might conclude that the company is getting more expensive and it may be time to exit the position. P ratios also allows to compare companies in the same sector. Let's say you want to compare Sainsbury's and Tesco. As of recording this podcast, Sainsbury's trade at a price of 180 cents a share for a P ratio of 6.21. And Tesco trades at a price of 205 cents a share for a P ratio of 17. If you think their business is similar in terms of earning and outlook, then they should trade at similar P ratios. Therefore, should one be vastly different, it may provide you with an opportunity. In our example, you could argue Tesco looks expensive when you compare it to Sainsbury. Portfolio. The portfolio is the sum of your investments, and this may include your house or your saving account. Index and ETF. Did you know the main stock indices can't be bought or sold? Indeed, you need to go through providers who will replicate the index for you in a tradable format. For instance, the FTSE 100 is the index of the 100 largest UK companies. It serves as a gauge for the UK economy and it is only an index. The history of index funds goes back to the mid-70s when passive investing grew in popularity thanks to low fees translating in higher performance. It started with the main indices and grew into real business where we created indices for pretty much anything. Exposure to a country or region, like Brazil or Latin America, small or large companies, to a sector in the economy, like the oil industry, 3D printing, etc. Asset managers do all the buying and selling on your behalf in exchange of a fee. This is the fee you need to watch out for when you invest in an index. This fee will eat your returns and wait on the compounding effect of your investments. ETF and indices are the same. Only ETFs can be bought or sold through the market opening hours, while indices are only bought or sold at a given price at the end of the day. Volatility. Ooh, that one is scary. We tend to associate volatility with panic since markets tend to move around more when there is some uncertainty or fear. Volatility is another measure analysts use to compare assets. It measures how much an asset moves over a certain period. The more it moves, the more potential returns investors require to buy an asset. I think when we should use volatile period as an opportunity to either take some partial profit if an investment has done extremely well in a short period of time, or add to a position if it has underperformed. We should embrace volatility and see it as an opportunity. 
Now, if we look at investment, and if we turn to the investment horizon, when will you need the money? If you need money in the short term, less than a year, so for example, vacations, durable goods like a laptop, phone, clothes, emergency funds. Now you will look at medium term, about five years, when you look maybe for deposit for mortgage or a car. Then you can look at the longer term, 10 years. This is this tend to be for education, maybe investing on behalf of your kids, or ultra long term, like 30 years. And this is your pension and your retirement. You can see that different investment vehicles will have different time horizons. On the one hand, some are more suitable for long time horizon, like real estate or venture capital, since you will need to lock your money for a reasonable long amount of time. In addition, both are illiquid markets where the transaction costs are very high. On the other hand, some are suitable for shorter time horizons like money markets or bonds with shorter maturities. In these examples, transaction costs are low and the money you lend to the borrower will be returned in full at maturity. Even if you don't plan to invest for all these examples, it can be interesting to look at which investment mix would suit each of them. Let's look at a few examples. Vacations. You transfer a monthly amount on your savings accounts. This is kept in cash. Now, if you save for a deposit for mortgage, you set a yearly target that you can invest 50% in government bonds, 30% in high-grade bonds, and 20% in stocks, for example. Then if you look at saving for your kids, you can reuse, for example, a junior ISA or junior pension, these tend to be invested 100% in equities because you have more time and you could take more risk and that should help also your returns. Finally, retirement. Retirement can be, for example, 50% in real estate, 50% on equities, and pensions can have a slightly different mix of stocks, 40%, Small cap stocks, 25%, government bonds, 20%, and high yield bonds, 15%. These are just examples that will give you a mix and that will help you mitigate your risk and avoid losing all your money. Before worrying about losses, it is important to understand why you invest. There are many valid reasons. A well-defined investment strategy should tame the emotional side in investing. To invest, you first need money. Money is not spooky. (laughs) It is usually the feeling of not having enough that can stress us out. Before we dig into investments, let's define what money is. While there are many different definitions, my favorite is money is a medium of exchange and a store of wealth. In simple terms, money is meant to be spent today or invested to be spent later. What concerns here is the latter part, since it will be invested to maximize its return for its delayed consumption. Therefore, to find the most suitable investment, you need to define why you are saving. What are you saving for? What are you looking to buy in the future? And what is your plan to reach that goal? You can invest money in a lot of different categories and a lot of different things. And here we just wanted to look at different investment vehicles and different expected returns to try to think about where should I allocate my money. 
this may sound complicated and it may not be what you want to do, but I think it's very interesting to understand the difference between risk and return. There are different investment vehicles with different expected returns. Let's look at them from the safest to the riskier. We included an expected annual return, EAR, that will help us to benchmark these investments. It has been calculated by looking at the annual return in these different products over a reasonable long horizon. These are not guaranteed and should not be treated as indicators since they may differ greatly depending on the details of the investments. In addition, since past performance is not an indication of future performance, please consider this as a tool to better understand your different investment horizons. Let's look at money markets for a return of about 4%. These are short-term debts under two years of maturity, usually issued and guaranteed by banks. For slightly higher return, government bonds, between 5 to 6%. Government guaranteed debt maturing between 5 to 30 years, paying an annual coupon and returning your initial investment and maturity. You can then look at high-grade bonds for about 7% return, these are bonds issued by companies with a superior credit rating, i.e. in a solid financial health. Now let's look at equities and stocks for about 10% return from top indices like the S&P, the FTSE, the CAC, the DAX. Equities are issued by the largest companies of national economy. Then you can look at high yield bonds, 12%. Bonds issued by companies with an inferior credit rating or precarious financial health. And now for even higher return, small capitalization equities, 13%. Shares issued by the smallest companies of a national economy in terms of market capitalization or size. The idea is simple. The smaller the company is, the less diversified it is. And there, the more likely it is to be impacted by an external shock. Therefore, investors expect higher return compared to larger companies, since the perceived risk is higher. Real estate, about 15%, property consisting of land or buildings. Then something more risky where you could expect a higher return is venture capital, about 30%. First we had large cap, then small caps, and now venture capital. In this case, there's a substantial element of risk since you invest at the earlier stage of a company where growth is usually put before profits, typically a new or expanding business. And then at the end of the spectrum, Cryptocurrencies, for example, with, with returns that could be 100% or could be zero. A digital currency or an asset in which transactions are verified and records maintained by a decentralized system using cryptography rather than by a centralized authority. And finally, scams. Scammers are getting clever. Be ultra cautious when you invest your money. Ask around which platform are your friends or family use? Why do they like it? How much do they charge? Some of our investment research, which can be interesting if you want to develop your investing skills. Then do some research on them. If something doesn't sound right, get to the bottom of it before transferring your savings. In the UK, make sure the platform is registered with the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, and also with the FSCS, the Financial Services Compensation Schemes, that will protect your savings up to £85,000 in case the platform goes bust. 
When it's too good to be true, well, it's not true. Many will try to lure you when you join with gifts or cashback. Platforms know that once you join, it's very unlikely you switch to another provider. Therefore, it is common to see investment platforms offering 50, 100 pounds in cash or presents to new clients. Anything too generous must ring alarm bells. This is especially true in the world of cryptocurrency. You will never give your money to some stranger in the street. It should be the same with an investment platform. Get to know them before you trust them with your money. And more generally, never click on links. Always go straight to the company's and provider's website. Hopefully this will help you to be up for investment streets and not tricks. If in doubt, you can always ask us. We are here to help. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Wallet. Please share this show with your friends and subscribe on your favorite platform. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, but it helps more people find our show. Join us again next Thursday for another episode of The Wallet with Steph Sword-Williams, founder of Bug Being Humble. She made it her goal to show people self-promotion is something we can all adopt. We've just got to choose the narrative we want to tell. <laughs>